0: You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene online at BethanyNaz.org. Well, I'm excited about sharing God's word with you this morning. Uh, I remember when I was a child, a, a little boy growing up in this little Kentucky town. I, I remember there was a, a statement that I would have to make on a regular basis, and the statement was, "I promise." And I think the reason that people wanted me to say I promise was because I sometimes wasn't believable. So I remember a friend of mine saying to me, come on, Ricky, do you promise? Oh, really? I promise with every facial expression I could give to validate what I was trying to say. I would say, no, man, I'm serious. I promise. So here's what I think Jesus wants us to think about today. Okay? I think he wants us to think about what if what if you lived your life in such a way? that never again never again would you have to say would you ever have to say no really i promise <laughs> i i think the most disturbing thing that i read this week was from james Bryan smith the book that sunday school classes and small groups are using to correlate with the sermons that i'm preaching on sunday morning he says he says that in a typical conversation that a lie or truth is misrepresented about once every three minutes. And I'm thinking, how can that be? Are, are we really that bad at truth-telling? And he says the reasons that we don't tell the truth are simple. We are either, number one, trying to avoid trouble, or number two, we are trying to get what we want. And so what I think he's saying is that, you know what, if I just go ahead and and at this moment fail to be untruthful, I think life just goes a little smoother and things are just a little easier and a little better. So it's easier in this moment not to tell the whole truth. And so Jesus is very concerned about our Representing the truth well. And so, let me, let me take you to Matthew chapter 5, may I? And open your Bible to verse 33 of Matthew chapter 5, and let's see what Jesus says. We're in a series called A Life Well Lived. And so, the idea is that the greatest life lived was the life of Christ. And so, if we pattern our lives after His life, and after His teaching, we will live life well. So let's, let's see what Jesus has to say in Matthew 5.33, okay? Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, okay? Jesus says again, you've heard it was said to people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, Jesus' words, I tell you, do not swear an oath at all. Either by heaven, for it is God's throne. Or by earth, because earth is God's footstool. Or the city of Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. And then here's what Jesus says in summary. All you need to say, this is it. All you need to say is simply... Yes or no Anything else comes from the evil one All you have to say Yes or no Anything else comes from the evil one Anybody been to court lately I'm not asking for confessions. I just mean, have you been in a courtroom lately? Have you ever been in a courtroom where you watch somebody go up on a stand and testify? So they don't do it anymore, but years ago, here's what they would do. Years ago, they would hold out a Bible, and you were to put your hand on the Bible, all right? You know what they ask you to say when you put your hand on the Bible? This is my Bible. No, that's Joel Osteen that asked you to do that. What they would ask you to do after putting your hand on the Bible is they would ask you to swear. So now, they don't use the Bible. Here's what they do. They say, raise your right hand. And so if you testify in the court of law today in the United States of America, you raise your right hand. And they say, do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God? They evoke the name of God. And they ask you to raise your right hand and to say, I swear in the presence of God, evoking the name of God, that I will tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. I mean, when you think about it, it's kind of a sad commentary on human nature. That if you go before your peers in the court of law, That you're required to make this statement that I promise in the eyes of God, I swear that I will tell the truth and the whole truth and nothing but the truth. I mean, wouldn't it be great if you just walked up into the courtroom and we thought enough of humanity and human nature that we said, Oh, he'll tell the truth. But that's not how we view one another in society. And so obviously telling the truth is really important because the ninth commandment, you know what God says? Do not bear false witness. Do not give false testimony against a neighbor. And so what I want to do is take just a few minutes here to talk to you about the words of Jesus. So I want to first look at some background stuff. I think that will enlighten our understanding, okay? And and then I want us to talk about really what I think is at the heart of Jesus' teaching here. And then after we do that, we'll just talk for a few minutes about what Jesus wants us to do in regard to His teaching, okay? So let's start with some background stuff. Alright? So, here we go. We, we're in this situation here, hearing Jesus' words, where six times He makes this antithesis. You've heard it was said long ago, but I tell you. Okay? And so a couple of weeks ago, we were in the passage where Jesus says, you have heard it was said long ago, and He's quoting the law, okay? That you should not commit murder. And if you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. That's what you heard long ago. But I tell you that if you are angry with your brother, you're subject to judgment. And last week. You've heard it said long ago that you should not commit adultery. But I say to you that if you look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. Now, if you missed last Sunday's sermon... Uh, not because I'm a good preacher, but I would challenge you to go online and listen to that sermon because I think it's pertinent to where we are in our lives. Today. You've heard it was said long ago, you should not break an oath. But I say to you, don't take an oath at all. I was in a meeting. It was actually a church board meeting. And so, in the church board meeting there was this conversation about um, some people getting together to talk. And, And one of the people in the board meeting said, Well, you know, it was reported to me that one individual said a very hurtful and unkind thing to another individual. And so I'm sitting here with the leaders of our church. And so I look at one lady. And I said to this one lady, Were you in that conversation? And she said, yes, Pastor, I was there. I said, was an unkind or hurtful thing said? And she said, no. And and I looked around at everybody sitting around this table, okay? And a slight grin came across some of their faces. Some of them began to shake their head. And one person just said, I didn't think it was said in that moment the conversation ended it was over because this one lady said no it didn't happen and everybody else said then it didn't happen (laughs) if she said no then it's a no if she said yes it would have been a yes but you can trust that lady Because she lives her life in such a way that whatever she says, you can believe it. And I think what Jesus is trying to say to us here is simply that. What if you lived your life in such a way that whatever you said, everybody believed, well, that's the truth. Because if they said it, it's true. So, just talking to you from a perspective of the context that Jesus is speaking from, is something like this. I try to say it every time I preach in the series, and that is that... Uh, you know, how, how do you say this? The, the, the law was given by God. And so it's really important, right? But here's the problem. Anytime we have rules, regulations in life, we, we, we risk and we suffer from the temptation of reducing it to moralism. You know what moralism is? It's simply saying that if I do what God says do, then God's okay with me. And if I don't do what God says don't do, then God's obviously okay with me. And so if I just keep the rules, that's what's important. But we can overlook the condition of our hearts by only keeping rules. And so the scribes and Pharisees said it this way. They said that we believe there is a righteousness that God calls us to. And so what they did was they said, we believe that this righteousness comes from the way that we understand or interpret the law. Now, when you hear Jesus say, you have heard it was said, and he's quoting the law, but I say to you, you wonder, is Jesus negating the law? Is he saying the law is not that important? Absolutely not. Jesus is negating false interpretations of the law. And that's why he says that your righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, because they begin to focus on the externals of the law, and they fail to look well enough at the heart. So you might say this morning, hey, listen, I mean, I wear this as a badge of honor. I have never murdered anybody. And Jesus says, but you hate your brother. You, you despise your sister. Don't you understand the intent or the motive or the spirit of the law? You might say Rick Harvey, I have never in my life committed adultery. That is a badge I wear with pride and honor. But Jesus says you you lust after women. You look at pornography. You have thoughts that are very bad in your mind. I have never broken an oath I made in the presence of God lie to people <laughs> and you just people don't you understand that God is concerned about the heart and so you live your life in such a way that you are faithful to your words and you are faithful to your commitments just like the lady in my board meeting because if she said it was a no that settles it. You can trust her. We've never known her ever to do anything but tell the truth. It's a no. So so let me take a, a minute to talk to you what I think is at the real heart of this matter, okay? I remember I remember preaching one Sunday morning. And and after I finished preaching, um, there was a guy who came up to me and, and he was he was apparently moved. Kind of a tough guy, an athlete. We got tears in his eyes. And uh, he says to me, uh, I need to talk to you this week. Not not now. I I don't even want my family to see me. But I got to talk to you. I said, okay. So we set up a time and and we got together. He says to me, "You, you, you preached about sharing Jesus with people. And, and inviting people to like a faith conversation or into your life and building a bridge and inviting them maybe to church. He goes, let me tell you something. The people at my work need Jesus as bad as any people I know in the world. I mean, they need Jesus really bad. But he said, if I, if I invited those people to church, they would laugh in my face. they would say you go to church? because he said here's why when I'm at church or when I'm playing softball with the guys from church or if we're hanging out with other families or couples from the church I I kinda live like church people and I talk like church people and I joke like church people but when I'm at work I talk differently, and and I behave differently, and I I joke differently. And there's no way in the world that they would have any idea that I go to church. These people need Jesus desperately, and I can invite them to church, but there's no way I can invite them to church because of the way I live in front of them. (laughs) If they want to change, they don't want what I've got. And what he was really saying to me, Pastor Rick, you know what I do? I compartmentalize my life. And so I say, this facet of my life, this involves God. But this facet of my life, this does not involve God. When I'm here, when I'm doing this, then, then God is involved. But when I'm over here, I make no room for God. And so Jesus said, you've heard it was said, The law. Don't break the oath. But I say to you, don't even take an oath. So, so do you think that's what he really meant? Do you think he really meant when you go to court and I go to court because we're following Jesus and, and they tell us, raise your right hand, that we say, uh-huh, can't do that, keep my arms crossed. Can't take an oath, Jesus says, don't take an oath, can't do it. The Quakers took Jesus seriously. So even in our society today, the Quakers would say, when I go to the court of law, nope, cross my arms, can't do that, can't take an oath. Jesus said, don't take an oath. The, the, the only problem with that is that two times, once in Galatians and one in 2nd Corinthians, Paul takes an oath evoking the name of God because the people did not know him well enough to trust his character. So he said, okay, I'll just say it in God's name. I'm telling you the truth. And I think there's a very strong argument that Jesus was under oath when he was being questioned before the crucifixion with God's name being evoked. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying at all. I don't think He was aware of what our society would one day ask of us and that there would be anything wrong with doing that. I think it's something much greater. I think what Jesus is saying is this. You have this false understanding in your mind. And the false understanding is that if I evoke the name of God, then God is involved. But if I don't evoke the name of God, then God is not involved in that. In other words, I can compartmentalize my life. God's involved in this part, but He's not involved in this part. And Paul is saying whether you say His name or not, He is already there. There is nowhere you can go where God is not. If you swear by heaven, let me tell you something, that is His throne. If you swear by earth, that is His footstool. If you swear by the city of Jerusalem, you understand, that's the city of the great King. If you swear by your head, Let me ask you a question. He goes, who can make one hair on your head white or black? Except, you know, with the assistance of a cosmetologist. (laughs) You have no control over your age. Your whole life is in God's hand. Nothing is separate from God. Secular does not exist. So, yeah, I mean, I, I go to church. Yeah, I mean, I I pray. Yeah, I, I consider myself Christian. But sometimes I go places. And sometimes I'm with certain groups. It's kind of a separate compartment. God's not really invited (laughs) sometimes. Over here? Well, sure, God's welcome to be involved. Not over here. You know what Jesus is saying? You're fooling yourself if you think you can close the door on the face of God. He's everywhere. So, let's talk about what Jesus says we should then do, okay? My dad, my dad had a friend named Joe Merle, and Joe... Um, Died, you know, years ago. I was pretty young. And my dad used to tell me stories about Joe. And he said, Joe had a terrible habit of telling these really, you know, outlandish stories. I mean, they were just not to be believed. Just just, just big tales. Just big lies. And my dad said that, you know, I don't know that Joe ever believed that anybody was believing them even. But he said, I remember what he would always do. Maybe he was seeing the expression on my face that I wasn't buying it. And he would always do the same thing. He would turn to his wife and he would say, Hey, Peggy, isn't that right? And I would say to my dad, Then, then what, what did Peggy say? That was his wife. And my dad said Peggy would always say the same thing with no energy. Yeah, Joe, that's right. I said, Well, was Peggy convincing? And my dad said, No. <laughs> you can tell she didn't believe it. I just think somewhere they had a conversation where he always would say, If I ask you, just say it's right. Jesus says, what, what if you lived your life like this? What if you lived your life in such a way that you never had to say, Hey Peggy, isn't that right? What if you were a person of such integrity and such character that you never had to say, Isn't that right? I promise. God is my witness. I'm telling you the truth. What if you never, ever had to say anything like that? So is that possible? Let me, let me answer your question with a question. Would Jesus call us to something that is not possible? What, what is that, like humor to him? I'm going to tell him to do this and then, you know, slap my leg while they fail, you know, because they can't do it. I don't think that's the heart of Jesus. A part of this conversation is this broader conversation about the kingdom of God. And the great thing about the kingdom of God is it's not about keeping rules. It's about heart transformation. And with the kingdom of God coming to earth through the life and ministry of Jesus, it is accompanied by empowerment. Where Jesus says, I'm going to make you able. I'm going to give you the power to live the life that I'm calling you to live. And whether it's about an anger issue that you're struggling with, or whether it's lust that you struggle with, or whether it's telling the truth that you struggle with, I'm telling you that I'm inviting you to be a part of this other kind of world. And in that other kind of world, there is power to live the life that I'm calling you to live. And you can live up to the intent of the law of God. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some personal reflection and then I'm going to sit down, okay? Got to get an amen over sitting down. <laughs> All right, here we go. Came to church two weeks ago. And uh, sitting right there where I always sit. And, and uh, this service, it was this service, second service. And the room was just fuller than normal. And uh, the worship felt pure. It was awesome, I'll be honest with you. I found myself just kind of praying as we were all singing. And I felt like I was in the presence of God. And then we start doing something really unique to people that they don't know about church. We started putting people under water and holding them there for a while and then letting them up. And people were saying, "I'm coming into this family. I'm going to be your brother and your sister." And I'm celebrating what Jesus has done in my heart. And we're going to symbolically bury who I used to be and who comes up out of the water as this new person in Christ. And so we didn't have a large number that day like we sometimes do. And so we said, let's tell some stories. And many of you were here probably. How many of you were here? Lots, lots of you. And so we baptized some children and then we had this teenager named Josie and... So the person who was baptizing Josie, Chris Holcomb, said, I've been watching Josie's life, and I'm excited to baptize her this morning. dunked her. And then Mikkel baptized a college student. I've been watching what's going on in your life, and this is exciting. And she dunked her. And Mark Petritus gets up to baptize Damien. Damien, God's been working powerfully in your life, Mark said. Tell us what God's done. Man, Damien, this this athlete of a kid, you know, a man. He says, I came to Southern Nazarene University to play softball, I thought. But God had something else in mind. I came really by divine appointment. I was an addict, a substance abuser. I didn't fill a lot of hope in my life. But God introduced me to some incredible people. A lot of them in celebrate recovery and some at the university and some at the church and this community. And he said, I celebrate over a year of sobriety and Jesus has changed my heart and I am following him. I'm telling you, when Mark put that guy under water, when he came up out of the water, we came up out of our seats. It was awesome. Everybody's clapping and people are whistling and yelling. I loved it, loved it, loved it. And so some of you were there. I didn't tell you anything new. But let me, let me tell you what happens next. I, I go home. And I'm, I'm not struggling. I'm not upset. I'm not frustrated. I'm just trying to figure it out. But what, what happened? What happened? What created that moment? Why did we all just spring to our feet like we did? I mean, you got college students over here, and high school students here, and people my age around here, and and I have a theory. Here is my theory. My theory is that that we are lied to every day of our lives. We are lied to by the enemy, and we are lied to by our culture. And you know what the lie is? That Jesus really doesn't transform anybody's life. You can modify your behavior if you try really hard and get some good help. And maybe in modifying your behavior, you know, some good things happen, but there really isn't any transformation anymore. And the kingdom of God has not really come to earth. But when we watched Mark put that guy under water, and we watched him come up out of the water to new life, I believe we sprang up because we begin to believe that maybe God can bring us to new life too. Amen. And whether it's anger that I deal with, or whether it's lust that I deal with, or whether it's Telling the truth that I deal with. There is a God who invites us to participate in this other kind of kingdom. The kingdom of God that is accompanied by power. To live according to the intent of the law of God that says I don't have to live my life any longer being controlled by emotions or I don't have to be controlled by the temptation of sexual desire and I don't have to be controlled by this desire to tell lies, to get what I want or to avoid trouble. There is empowerment for me. And I can live this life that Jesus invites me to be a part of. It's not about keeping rules. It's about this other way of living. And he says, come on, all of you, run in here. Come into this kingdom. You can live this life with me. So I want you to stand with me this morning. I don't know know if somebody here says, man, telling the truth is an issue in my life. You know, it's a problem. Or if somebody is saying lust is an issue. I I heard your sermon last week, Rick. I've been thinking about your sermon this week. I'm sick and tired of being, sick and tired of being controlled by sexual desire. Or maybe it's anger. But I just get mad, man. I mean, I just, I fire up quick. I've got a short wick. I run hot. And I'm starting to believe you, Pastor, when you say that Jesus invites us to be a part of this other kind of world where He promised us to empower us to live this other kind of life. And so this morning, if you want to come and pray, you know the altars are here for you. I would love for you to come and find a place to talk with God. With that being said, there's there's lots of other reasons to pray. And so if you're in a position this morning of saying, Rick, I'm going through a hard time, or family is going through a hard time, please, please feel free to come. Maybe your heart's full of praise and you want to come and tell him, thank you, thank you, God, for what you're doing in our lives. I was with my friend Michael this past week, and Michael says, Rick, every Sunday morning, every Sunday, I go to my church. You know what I do? I go to the altar. And I kneel at the same place, and I pray for my son. And I'm going to go to my altar at my church every Sunday, and I'm going to pray to my God for my son until I see him beginning to turn to God. And so maybe it's somebody that you want to pray for. Lots of grace to be experienced here. It is free. (laughs) And it's for you. And so receive it this morning as we sing, okay? If you want to come, just come. To feel freedom to uh, come and pray with friends or come and pray for yourself if you like. I'm anxious to say these words to you. Now to Him. Him who is able to do more. You love that? More than we would ask or even imagine. Through His power that is at work within us, be glory and power forever.